Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 79, Urban Legends with Kagan. Before... We get started with this episode. I just wanted to do a few plugs here. If you want to go support our show, go to ageofradio.org slash colormedead slash. You can listen to our show. You can donate to our Patreon and you can uh, donate or you can go check out our affiliate sponsors, which are Onnit, Loot Crate, Lootware, and Blue Apron. If you want to support Angel while she is in treatment, it's all the money that we're raising from these t-shirts is going directly to her family to help out with costs, to help with travel so that uh, the family can go visit her. Uh, Anything that they might need, that's where all this money is going directly to them. You can go to customink.com slash fundraising slash angels dash army dash cmd. You can also just donate money there too. You do not have to buy a shirt. You can buy a shirt and donate, or you can just buy a shirt, or you can just donate. Don't forget our design contest. We're going to actually leave it open a little bit longer. Um, Since a little bit of things have happened this month, we've been a little bit off track. So if you want to design something with any of your favorite sayings of ours, anything that you think that we should have on our merch shop that we don't have, anything at all, design it, send it in. We'll pick our favorites. The The winners get um, a really cool prize package, including some studio headphones. So that being said... Today, my guest is Kagan Breitenbach, who is my little brother. And if you've listened to the show, you know him, you've heard him before. Um, Before we get started, uh, he's doing a little music contest on throughout the episode. And he didn't mention it while we were recording, but he did play all of these songs and record them himself. So that's just a little extra tidbit so you know. If you want to go check out more of his work or what he does, or if you, you know, just want to check him out, <clears throat> Rochelle, you can go to kaganbreitenbach.com. So everybody say hello to Kagan. Before we get started, I want to apologize to all the listeners of this show. Last time I was on, I was trying to tell a story and I said the word like maybe 50 times. So... I'm so sorry. (laughs) That was painful to listen to. Should we do a little something called episode 79? Let's do it. It ain't 69. No. But it'll still feel pretty good. Uh, Yeah. That doesn't seem like it was 10 (laughs) episodes. Oh, wow. That didn't didn't click until just now. I'm sure 79 is as good as 69. It's almost the same it's like you're in the same position but it doesn't quite carry out the exact same somebody's not doing their job it's like one person's really into it and the other one's right like if you make a seven with your with your arms (laughs) and the whole thing it's just like one person's like really enjoying themselves and the other one is pushing those gens away (laughs) get them out of my face out of my face 
<laughs> this is my 79. By the way, you guys should do a call-in episode again. That was really fun. I, well, I was I thinking about it. doing one uh, while Angel's out. And that would mm. be fun. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. And speaking of, I saw Angel yesterday. Yes. I ran up to it. Like, I'm trying to be cool. I'll walk it up. And I had all the stuff that everybody gave us. And I, uh, Spencer was already there when we got there. And I brought her brother and her niece. And we had all this stuff that people had sent that we brought to her. Plus, I brought her a bunch of stuff, too. And so I walk in, and um, she hugs her niece, hugs her brother. And I was last, and I, like, walk over to her all, like, <laughs> like a little kid. Like, I did this weird <laughs> penguin walk over to her and just uh-huh. grabbed her and went, yeah! <laughs> like, you know, all weird. Like, I was mm. like, I'm so excited to see you. Because two weeks. Was she happy to use? Yes. Two weeks to see her and not be able to talk to her or anything has been so hard for me but yeah it was it was nice she looks really good she's made lots of friends as everybody knew she would make friends but Mm -hmm. she was we got to hang out it's so pretty up there it's like on the hillside and stuff and you can see like you can go out they have all these decks it's like i want to live there i mean yeah you know just regular live there <laughs> and it's yeah, so totally. cool and there's like horses we got to go feed horses and it was super cool oh really with with her yeah she can't leave the property wow. but they were within where she can go that sounds like a swanky treatment center that sounds great it's super cool it's so pretty the house is so pretty like we can't go in their rooms or anything they can't even go in uh-huh. each other's rooms but yeah, it was way cool. Way cool. I was so excited to see her and we got to stay. Shoot, we got to stay for like three or four hours. But it was pretty cool. Super fun. She said hello to everybody and thank you for all the stuff that um, that they've sent her. And we, you, this is a spoiler and a teaser and I don't want to say it's for sure, but you might be hearing from her before she comes out of treatment on the show oh hey yeah that'd be awesome yeah we're working on some stuff some stuff about some stuff some stuff Mm -hmm. and she seems she's just doing really well you think how long has she been there she's been there for two weeks weeks? yep today is exactly two weeks so she's still got a ways to go we don't know i don't know maybe she does maybe they do i don't know how long she's staying for sure but she's got some more time that's good though because that that first little bit when people are you know first going into recovery is can be can be really rough. Yeah. So I bet I I have no doubt she stayed really strong though. She's she's yeah. really tough. Oh, she is. Yeah. She definitely is, and I think she's been putting in the work that she needs to to get, you know, to get what mm-hmm. she needs. Yeah. Out yeah, of totally. it and be able to move on and and do well. So yeah, and I yeah I, I believe in her too. She's she's gone through some really hard stuff mm-hmm. in life already, and yeah. so she's 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 fairly she's pretty tenacious. Yeah, but, and there are there are so many success stories. You know, I have I have a lot of good friends myself, and you and I you and I Nikki we both have friends and loved ones who right. have really struggled with things over time, and right yeah I have. I, I have a lot of hope that, you know, this is going to be amazing for her. Yeah, and she's she's got a 
big support group that's willing to help her. And her her brother, who just went through treatment, went through the same thing. And um, he's got... (laughs) He doesn't have such a big support group as she did, which is kind of... It kind of makes me sad that he didn't have that, but also at the same time, he can be there for her and help her and help support people around her to be able to, you know, do what they need to do or, or see things from the other side a little bit. Right. Yeah. And, you, and you kind of, you had kind of mentioned that there might be a uh, some material coming up talking about treatment. Yes. I'm trying to get that all in order. Um, it might be a little bit, but yeah, I'm working on yeah. it. I want to, sure. I want to talk to everybody about it, let them know what to expect, what like, and for families, because for us, as you know, um, it's a lot of work for us too, even though we, you know, even though maybe we didn't have the addiction, it still affects us. So we need to do a lot on our part too. It's not just the person who is, an an addict. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it, it it'd be cool when you start putting together some of this some of this stuff to find out what resources are available in this podcast community to people cuz Yeah. Um I I mean, I I think it's important that people have a place where they can go to get help or or at least ask for advice, mm-hmm. you know, when they're when they're when they're struggling with stuff like this. Yep. Yep, I I think that's very important too. So watch for that in the future. I'm gathering everything together for that at this moment. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be that'll be awesome. Yes. So now we can move on to the episode, which is urban legends. Yes, and you urban legends and the true crimes. That may have inspired them. Yes, and you wrote this episode, so it's probably going to scare the holy shit out of me because urban legends scare uh, me. They are scary. I don't. I don't think it'll scare the shit out of you, especially. I. I don't. I feel like you've already experienced a lot of the scariest stuff out there with the with the cases you've covered. Right. I mean, most horror movies are are no big deal compared to reality. Yeah. And 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 urban legends. Yes. So I did a creepy pasta for the hillbilly horror stories that will be. I think oh. it's dropping the same day as this. But I scared myself mm-hmm. with that. Just so you know. And all I did was Which talk and tell pasta? the story. The rake. Oh, the rake is a really scary. Yeah, scared one. the holy like fuck out of me. So if you don't know who the rake is, go to uh, hillbilly <laughs> horror stories. Listen to their Halloween special. And you'll hear me telling the story of the rake. I had literal, like, my, I had goosebumps the whole entire time I was recording. Because I was like, this was a bad idea. I'm home alone. (laughs) And I'm telling creepy stories. I'm never going to be able to sleep. Oh, my God. What did I just do? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, I love stuff like that, though, you know. And I I love the feeling of being spooked. I don't like the feeling of I can't go to sleep. But, yeah, some of those creepypastas are pretty are pretty creepy well the picture scared the shit out of me so i had to like cut it up and put it in the trash when i printed off the oh yeah are you, is it to, yeah is it that black and white one with yeah. the thing it's got the glowing eyes yeah. and it's on all fours yeah. yeah i've seen that one yeah i don't like it yeah 
because it makes sense in the context of urban legends. If people don't know what a creepypasta is, I feel like there's a surprising amount of people. There's a pretty big age divide of people who don't know what creepypastas are. Yeah. So a creepypasta is basically like a campfire story for the internet age. It's it's like it's a type of folklore that's born of the internet. Um, and the word pasta in this context refers to when people. So in forums, people would, the, the origin of pastas online came from when people would be talking back and forth in a forum, like asking questions or wanting to learn about this or that. And somebody would throw in a bit of like uh, information that may or may not be true, like a sort of story that somebody may have come up with, and that's called pasta. And so somebody would throw that into a forum. And so creepypasta is like the scary version of that. And um, most creepypastas... In fact, if not all of them are fictional and they are kind of like the modern era version of urban legends. Yes. Yes. And they're Does creepy. That, did I? Yeah, they are creepy. So you may have heard of uh, like Slenderman and mm-hmm. uh, uh, what is the Jeffrey the serial? What What is his name? The serial killer one with the Glasgow smile. I can't remember. I can't. And I even read through all those when I was looking for the right one. The right one to scare the piss out of myself with. Yeah, the rake is a really scary one. Yeah, I didn't like it. Um, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm going to start off reading about what an urban legend is, and then I'll let you go. I'll let you start talking about the first one when we get there. Okay. So what is an what is an urban legend? So uh, these a lot. Of, I have a lot of different sources on this, very from the internet and different books that I read. Uh, So starting off, an urban legend is a form of modern folklore. It usually consists of fictional stories often presented as true with macabre or humorous elements rooted in local popular culture. These legends can be used for entertainment purposes as well as semi-serious explanations for random events. Urban legends are spread by any media including newspapers, email, and social media. Some urban legends have passed through the years with only minor changes to suit regional variations. Um... Let's see, this next part I got out of a book called The Vanishing Hitchhiker, which um, I actually got it from mom. It says, urban legends belong to a subclass of folk narrative legends like uh, that, unlike fairy tales, are believed or at least believable, and that, unlike myths, are set in recent past and involve normal human beings rather than ancient gods or demigods. Legends are folk history, or rather quasi-history. As with any folk legends, urban legends gain credibility from specific details of time and place or from references to source authorities. So that's kind of the uh, where the tie is with urban legends to true crime. Yeah. Be- because um, urban legends are things that could be true. Right. A lot of the time. It's not just like, it's not a fairy tale. No, it's very, it's very possible. Yes. You're very possible. So I wanted to, when first starting off, I think what's fun about urban legends is that... Uh, no matter where you're from, there's different urban legends from where you grew up that other people might not know about. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk about if you knew of any, if you could think of any urban legends from Vernal, where we grew up, that other people might not know about. I am, I know of one, and this is when yeah. I was younger. Okay, you know where U Hill is. And for yes. people who aren't around here, there's a hill on the edge of town, and it has a U on it because that's our... Um, high school it's the you went to Utes and every year they go and put tires around the U and light them on fire on homecoming and all that shit well 
we didn't live uh, very far from it. Like we weren't super close to it, but not very far. And somebody once told me, and I don't know if this is an urban legend. Maybe not. Maybe this is just a story. I might just be telling a story. Well, that's the fun thing about it. It's like, is it an urban legend? Is it true? Well, is it just something somebody made up or, you know? Yeah. Somebody told me that the the devil worshipers, and this is when I was little, the devil worshipers used to gather there and they would shine little mirrors into your eyes. So if you saw the mirror shine into your eyes from the from you hill then they were trying to get you to join them like they had picked picked you they've chosen you and they want you to go join them and that could just be a bullshit story somebody told me one day it could be one that somebody else knows too but that scared the piss out of me for a long time oh my god i love that that's exactly like the sort of thing i was thinking of and i don't know that that also makes me think that you guys should do at some point, like a satanic panic episode. Oh, yeah. If you want. Because during like the 80s and 90s, that was like such a huge mm-hmm. deal. Then, and, yeah. and I remember where we were growing up, like whenever there was a fire out in the distance, it wasn't somebody having a bonfire. Oh, no. It was a satanic uh-huh. ritual. Uh-huh. And that's about <laughs> when this was. It would have been late 80s, early 90s that I heard that story. So it was during yeah. all of that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so who knows? They were They were summoning me. <laughs> I saw it. That would creep me out if I heard that when I was, I was a scared kid the too. shit out of me. I didn't dare ride my bike because we used to ride our bike out in the hills out there all the time. I didn't dare ride my bike mm-hmm. out there too far because I was afraid the Satan worshippers were going to grab me and make me worship Satan with them. Not that I knew what that was. Which, <laughs> but, which if you think about it in hindsight now, it doesn't seem like it would be I too know. bad. I know. Now I'm like, why didn't I go <laughs> looking for them? Like, those, those are my people. <laughs> <laughs> those are my people. These are my people. Um, so the one that I wrote down first is actually, it's actually based on a real thing that happened, mm-hmm. but the, and, and Angel, I think actually knows people who are involved in this. So I, I do I'm, too. I'm not trying, oh, you do too. Uh-huh. So I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of this situation at all. I'm just retelling the things that were told around school yeah. when I was growing up about yeah, this. Yeah, I want to know what, I want to know the stories. So remember the main is a park um in dry fork which is just outside of where we grew up in vernal and dry fork canyon has these really steep sandstone walls and uh on one of the walls there's this uh memorial painted of an american flag and um the and a remembrance of the uss uh maine which i believe was a a Navy ship back from the early 20th century, not even from World War One or two. I think it's even earlier than that. I can't remember what war it is, but uh, and I really should know my history on it, but I'll just leave it there that it's a it's a memorial to a ship and a and somebody locally uh, got this park uh created and a an american flag painted high up on the wall and how high would you say that wall oh, is it's like I don't know. a thousand or so feet yeah high. it's really high like really really high and it's just like a a slab like i don't even know how to explain yeah. that you can probably think yeah of it's like it's it's like it's sliced yeah. off with a knife it's really it's really it's very sheer straight down yeah 
And it was always funny growing up. Every kid always said, oh, my grandpa painted that flag. I knew so many kids who claimed that their grandpa painted it. But anyway, the urban legend behind it, and well, this first part's true, is that there are suicides that are associated with that place where people Mm -hmm. have jumped off. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how many there are. My memory says that there were three. Yeah, I know of two for sure because I knew two. I knew both of them. You knew both of them? Yeah. Wow, I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, I actually got into a fight with one at a party because he pulled out a machine gun on me. I don't know. What the fuck? An AK, yeah, pulled out an AK on me, thought he was being funny. Oh my God, you're like, (laughs) not funny. Yeah, I'm like, you can go ahead and put that away and get the fuck out of here. Wow. Thank you. Well, the urban legend growing up was that... um, the people who had committed suicide there were connected through a a girl mm-hmm. and that that girl had used witchcraft on them. I know her too. To make them do that. Oh my God. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. I hope she's not listening because you are the subject of an urban legend that I grew up with. <laughs> At least Fuck. I think I know who it is as far as I know what I've heard. And I could be way By off. the way, whoever you are, I'm not in. I'm not insinuating anything. I'm not saying you're a witch. I have no idea what your name even is. <laughs> All I'm saying is that when I was growing up, there was a story about a witch who made people jump off of Remember the Main Park. That's so crazy. I'd never heard that she was a witch. I never heard any of that part of it. I just knew because they're all my age. Like I went to high school with all yeah. of them. Oh yeah, in junior high, everybody just said, "Oh, there was a witch that made people jump off Remember the Main." Oh, that's so crazy. I've never heard that. I'm part. serious. I've never heard that before. Isn't that crazy that like something that actually happened turns into a story that may or like has varying degrees of truth, but part of it's definitely bullshit. Right. Right. So, no, I'm sure we we're, there's probably somebody listening that has closer connections to those people that jumped and I'm not trying to make light of that situation at all. I'm just talking about the folklore element of what happens with real life events. Right. Right, because nobody knows like how how true that could be. Right. Well, do you want to talk about the next thing that I have listed there because I feel like you know about that. Oh, I do, and I check that shit out. So there Cuz it's real. Yes. There's okay, in Mazer, which is just like a I, I wouldn't really call it like a suburb because Vernal's not that big but it's just a different part of our town (laughs) that side (laughs) and Uh in that cemetery there is a glowing headstone what is the glowing headstone though isn't it a ghost what is the what is the story that goes with that I I actually don't know and it's so local that I guarantee you it's not published anywhere. No. I don't th- it's it's word of mouth only and it's been happening since mom was in high school. Yeah. So that thing's been around for a while. It's not new. Um and if somebody has like an actual story about it, I'd love to know. Yeah, I want to um, know too. But there there really is a headstone there that if you, it's like on a moonlit night, if you drive past it, it will glow. It will. And I went to it one time. One or, no, I've been to it more than once because I'm either a mega chicken shit or I'm like, no, fuck this. It's not real. It's, I will show you. And um, that day I felt like that I was in that mood 
which I didn't get very mm-hmm. far with that. I didn't like get out and go look, but I pulled up to it and stopped. And I was like, see, if I'm right here and I had it all figured out, like it's glowing because of this angle or whatever. If you're here, mm-hmm. then this shines on it from this reason. And that's why it glows. And I had it figured out logically in my mind, which I could totally, I, I like to talk myself into things. And be like, no, this does not work, and I won't let it work in my brain, no matter how much it yeah. works. <laughs> so, uh-huh. but I, yeah, it's it definitely glows. You go past it, and it glows every single time. Yeah, it's spooky. It is creepy for sure. as hell. Oh. And I heard, I swear, it was like a ghost protecting something, and you can't get too close to it. And I can't remember what it was, but it's it's so weird. But we used to do that yeah. a lot. Drive past that a lot. If somebody knows who's listening to this knows uh, some kind of story that's associated with that, please send it in. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to learn about it. Yeah, I want to know. The only other two things I wrote on this list were Skinwalker Ranch and Moon Lake. So those are just kind of paranormal hotspots, and the more I think about it, they're kind of their own thing. Yeah, Skinwalker Skinwalker Ranch is actually like a giant can of worms where. Everything from witchcraft to satanic rituals to hauntings to mm-hmm. UFO sightings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Skinwalker Ranch is a whole different can of worms and probably save that for another day. Well, I could talk about that forever. Yeah, yeah, you and Angel need to talk about that because I don't dare go there because I would rather not subject myself to that shit. In my mind, it's all bullshit and I'm just going to keep it that way. <laughs> oh man, if you guys ever go back, if Angel ever goes back, I totally want to go with cuz you have to kind of sneak on there now. Uh yeah. because the tr- the tribal pr- police uh patrol it so diligently that you can't you can't just drive up to the opening gates and hop the fence. No. No, and you have to like park on the highway, hike a half a mile and get in that way right and she told a story i think she's told it on before but there was a a dog that stood upright and paced her car like backwards was just running next to him backwards yeah yeah i just gave myself chills again why do i do this shit that's spooky as shit i know and then my goddaughter was my god you know what jace just had a waking nightmare about a dog standing on its hind legs well he got the skinwalker I know. Jesus Christ. Son okay, of a go bitch. ahead. I have like the major chills now. I don't know. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> just wait. Just wait till we get the last to the last case on here. You're not going to sleep tonight. Okay, good. I'm just telling you. Good. I haven't <laughs> been sleeping anyway. So what's what's new? Anyway, okay. Um, I my goddaughter went there too, and she was videoing it with her with the flash uh-huh. on, and all of a sudden her flash turned off. Ooh, spooky. Mm-hmm. And then I was talking to Jennifer. Uh, this is the last story, I promise. Jennifer, that yeah. does our bath bombs at the Purple Lotus. If you would like one, go to the purplelotusonline.com and you can get your bath bombs. <laughs> They're delightful shit. I've used they them. They are. Use them. the promo code DEADPOD15 for 15% off your order. I just went and got some more. And that's when I was talking Ooh. to her. Um, she said that her husband, I think, or somebody works out there buy it and she said that it's really like they have all the police and everything they're guarding it but they're not guarding a big enough area like there's still shit that happens on the outside of it like right out where the where the cops aren't guarding there's still some there's it still leaks out that far so you don't even have to go in wow well you know me i mean i'm a huge skeptic and and i'm me too i'm 
like and so when i go to stuff like that i usually don't get creeped out unless the people i'm with are getting creeped out right so yeah so yeah well i'm coming out again to vernal in november third week of november before thanksgiving so maybe we'll go there we might as well. Angel said she wouldn't go back, and right before she went to rehab, she said she would go back, but she's she 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 had a few too many at that point, so she probably is gonna <laughs> take that back. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh shit. Okay, okay. So to the listeners, because this is a Halloween episode, my favorite time of year, and I'm a huge horror movie fan. Uh, that's H O R R O R horror, <laughs> not horror movie fan. Not the gore horror. Uh, yeah. You are no, a gore whore. Kinda. I like, I don't know, yeah. kinda. I, I like more of those like mess with your head sort of horror movies. Yeah. So, so we're. I heard Chuck playing his guitar on the last episode and I got jealous. So Oh, that made um, my day. I was so happy. Wasn't that cool? Yes. He was good. I told him every day he has to call me and play the guitar and sing a song randomly. And he doesn't have to talk to me or anything. I just need a song. That's all. Yeah. I bet he would do it too. Just like call me up. Oh, he said he would too. I just haven't I haven't made him do it yet because I was traveling. So I should just call him randomly here in a little bit. I'm ready for my song. Where's my song? <laughs> 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 well, anyway, I'm going to play. Let me see. I'm double checking how many I'm going to play. I believe throughout the episode, I'm going to play five, four, seven. I'm going to play seven different uh pieces of music from horror movies and here's the deal seven days seven days remember when i used to call you you, say that yeah sorry (laughs) oh i fucking love the ring (laughs) uh anyway if you if you so here's what you got to do you have to name all seven figure out what all seven of the themes are that i play or just what movie they come from and if you message them Either to me on Facebook or if you email it to Nikki to uh, the Color Me Dead email. It's Color Me Dead um, Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Whoever whoever the first two people are to send all seven correct, I will uh, I will send you a Blu-ray of your choice. What what? So yeah. And preferably you pick a horror movie because, you know, it's that time of year. Not Barney and Friends. Not Barney and Friends. I All right, love so you. you love me. Okay, <laughs> that's not the first one, by the way. Oh. All right, so <laughs> here goes the first one. All right, well, there was the first one, and uh, we're going to go into our first urban legend. So, uh, Nikki, if you would, this one, tell us about the hook. I will, and this used to scare the shit out of me. This is why I didn't go necking, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you said necking. <laughs> Side squirrel hunt real quick. While I was at, <laughs> yeah. while I was visiting Angel, the word canoodling kept coming up. And oh, I love that. So I kept randomly screaming, canoodler! <laughs> I don't know why it entertains me so, but it does. Why not? Ooh, another squirrel hunt. I, I, um, 
so we were driving up in Browns Park this weekend, mm-hmm. and Mom was telling us about our great-grandpa, Timothy, and apparently his band that used to play up there was called the Cadoodlers. Oh, my god! Which is pretty close. Uh-huh. I know. I'm going to cadoodle yeah. the shit out of you. I'm going to cadoodle you so hard. We're going <clears> to <throat> Netflix and cadoodle. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Show me your cadoodle, Rochelle. (laughs) And that's how Lord Voldemort was born. (laughs) Ta da! That should not be named. Anyway. (laughs) See what you did there. (laughs) Yep, nailed it. Nailed it. That's what she's hoping for. Okay. Well, for for the for the two people listening to this who have never heard the story of the hook, right? Nikki's going to regale you. Yes, a teenage boy drove his date to a dark and deserted lover's lane for a makeout session. A short while later, the music on the radio suddenly stopped, and an announcer's voice came on, warning in an urgent tone that a convicted murderer had just escaped from the state insane asylum, which happened to be located not far from Lover's Lane. And that anyone who noticed a strange man lurking about with a hook in place of his right hand should immediately report his whereabouts to the police. The girl became frightened and asked to be taken home. The boy, feeling bold, locked all the doors instead and assured his date that they would be safe. She became frantic, insisting that they leave. Relenting, the boy peevishly jerked jerked the car and he peevishly jerked <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't with that he peevishly jerked yes he did that's all he needed <laughs> uh. <laughs> have you ever peevishly jerked <laughs> while necking in the car <laughs> oh my uh, God. i don't even know what that would look like <laughs> all i can imagine right now is him with like with this evil side eye grin, just like ch- staring at her while he's jerking it, like creepishly, and she's just kind of sitting there with her legs crossed, like <laughs> she's like looking out the window. She's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> and he is like, look at me in the eyes while I peevishly jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and they speed off, and on his license plate, it's like <laughs> peevish jerker. <laughs> And that, uh, my friends, is an urban legend all on its own. <laughs> the peevish jerker. <laughs> Do you guys want to hear it? from the people who brought you the hook? Comes the peevish jerk. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I might die. I didn't write that, by the way. This came. This this came from an urban legends wiki. The car into gear and spun its wheels as he pulled out of the parking space. When they arrived at the girl's house, she got out of the car and, reaching too close to the door, began to scream uncontrollably. The boy ran to her side to see what was wrong, and there, dangling from the door handle, was a bloody hook. (laughs) Too much much peevish (laughs) jerking with the bloody hook. Oh, too far. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. You see, that's how he got his hand cut off, and that's why he has the hook, is because he was, like, the dude on Sons of Anarchy that just kept jerking it, like, he has the nervous jerk, uh-huh. and so they cut off all his fingers. That's what happened. Ooh. Mm-hmm. What happened that's... was... What happened? hmm So, I'm curious what your 
own personal experiences like when you first heard the story? Um, I was never, ever going to go necking, ever. And one time I did, and uh-huh. I was 16, mm-hmm. and we were at the lake, and we were by the highway on one of the pullouts oh at Steinecker. By Steinecker. Yep. Yep. Steinecker. And yeah. I was scared to death. It was the first time that I'd ever like stopped and, you know, to do a little make out. And parked. Yeah. <laughs> and we ended up like making out or whatever. And it was totally like lame make out. Like nobody touched any. It was just like yeah. kissing for a long time. <laughs> like way yeah. too long for just to kiss. But whatever. You're that like, was what that was me. Now? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that and that's all i could think of the whole damn time was that i'm like no i really yeah and i've never ever still because of that story gone somewhere and just parked off and done the thing oh wow that's <laughs> funny i well because you know you 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 like the men folk yes you know what i'm saying yes i mm-hmm. do well i do too and <laughs> i i when i when i was going when i wrote i'm like well let's talk about our own experiences and and at first I was like, I've never done that. But then the more I thought about it, I lost my V card in this situation. Oh Lord, you could have lost your eye to the hooked man. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Brown no, we eye. Went, we dr- all three we of them. We drove up on I know. We drove up on Dowd Mountain, which you know where that is, that little yeah. viewpoint up there. Yeah. And it was sun it was sunset and uh we peevishly jerked. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, it, and it was it was actually so. And for me, I never got scared the whole time doing. It. I was just like, oh my, because I was more in the perspective of like, I never thought this was going to happen. Right? Oh my god, you know. Yes. It was a good memory. Oh. Anyway, well, I was talking to mom about if there were like any infamous lovers' lanes, like makeout places in Vernal. And she told me about a place that they talked about in her yearbook that all the kids talked about, which was Muldoon's Point. Oh. And I was like, well, where where the hell was Muldoon's Point? And apparently it's where Air Village is now. Yeah. So that that where the water tower is up there? Yeah, it's up that's above Muldo- there. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's Muldoon's Point. And she said that um, there were a lot of stories that there was a crazy guy that would chase people away there. But... She thinks that the truth was that it was the landowner and he hated it when teenagers went and parked up there and he would just chase them away. Well, there's that too. And I was going to say that you said that she talked about how people wrote about it in the yearbook. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say, AKA, that's where she got pregnant with Ryan. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, oh, probably. That is sad. She told me they used to bang in the car in the driveway. I was like, Jesus I should text Christ. her right now. I should text her right now and be like, Do you have any stories from Muldoon's point? Uh-huh, like a baby. I'm trying to like I'm trying to make Ryan's name come out of Muldoon's point. It's not working. Well, Muldoon's point seems more like like a genitalia nickname. It to be really does. With you. Yeah. Like, do you want to see my Muldoon's point? <laughs> Get naked and it will point. <laughs> oh shit! I was gonna say something. I can't remember what it was. God damn it! Um, it had to do with mom, but I can't remember what it was. Shit. Well, oh yeah, I was going to say I I know 
my reason for existing is uh, the Steven Spielberg movie Always. Oh, God. I found out that that's what they watched the night of. Oh, my goodness. They got and you can throw mushy. open your mouth now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to finish reading this part, and then I'll let you go into our first case. Because guess what? We are going to get to true crime here okay. at some point. Okay. <clears throat> So I'm going to read, when many people first hear this story, they believe it to be true because it seems very believable. Also, it seems like it could take place practically anywhere with any horny teenagers. Right. Um, uh, and there's a lot of speculation that this is a morality tale, really. Oh, of course. It's trying to, it's trying to scare people. Like it did like, me. It worked for me. <laughs> Yeah, like it's don't go out in the middle of nowhere and get into the cookie into somebody else's cookie jar in the middle of nowhere. It's like a condom um, that you don't have to wear. <laughs> yeah, we wore diaphragms in my day. So, and so, while accounts of the story date back to the 1950s, the most popular known publication of the story was in the newspaper advice column, Dear Abby, in 1960. Uh, the actual print uh, star. I'm going to read just the beginning and the ending of the actual newspaper okay. print because the story in the middle is basically the same. Right. So this is from the article. If you're interested in teenagers, you will print this story. That's a weird sentence. All right. But that's what it said. <laughs> I'm interested. Oh. I say, I don't know whether it's true or not, but it doesn't matter because it served its purpose on me. And then it goes on to describe the uh, hook story using the phrase, a little necking. And hmm. then at the end, it oh, says, yes. I don't think... I don't think I'll ever park to make out as long as I live. I hope this does for th the same for other kids. So obviously it's a story that's like, mm. don't go out and make out and have premarital sex because you will get pregnant and you will die. Right. Um, yes. However, there are actually several true instances where young people go out to do, quote, a little necking on lover's lanes and are actually getting killed. Serious? For serious. Oh my and that's what God. Several times, actually. Oh, um, good lord. So, so it's not just like me using, like, I tell my girls that you can't show your titties to anybody because as soon as you show your titties, you get killed in horror movies, and that's how it really is. Mm -hmm. I didn't say it like that because I have <laughs> class. But <laughs> you said You said noonies, obviously. Of course I did. So don't titties. show your noonies to the boys until you're I'm married. I'm a good mom. Yeah. Yeah. Because we what were. What do you wa call them again, Max? <laughs> Yabos. Yabos. They think that is so funny. <laughs> I love that part. And Addie was like, "What are yabos?" The other day, and I'm like, "Boobs." And her little face. I thought I was going to die <gasps> laughing. She's like, "He likes Max her likes boobs. your yabos." <laughs> yeah. In fact, he loves them. He loves them. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's our really quick. Here's our second music excerpt. So, for those of you playing at home, music excerpt number two. All right. Well, he, we're going to go into the first uh, case. Okay. So this this is the first case that probably I I'm going to say this probably inspired the hook story, um, because this 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 occurred before that actual case. 
So this is the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. And everything that we're going to read from this I got out of a book called Chasing Thugs, Nazis, and Reds. It's about uh, uh, crime in the American South. All right. So, Nick, Nikki, if you would. You, you would like me to start this off? I would like you to start this program. Okay. And then You can start on. Oh, yeah, yeah, right there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right there. On the night of February 22nd, 1946, 19-year-old Mary Leanne Larry and 23-year-old Jimmy Hollis parked 50 feet off a country road half a mile northwest of Texarkana, Arkansas. A man wearing a white mask with holes cut out for his eyes and a mouth walked up to the car and ordered them out. As the masked man struck Hollis, he told Larry, who was wearing high heels, and that's not Larry, like L A R R. No, that's her. La- that's her. Larry, that's yeah. yeah that's last Mary name. Jean's last name. Yeah. Yes. To run down the road as she's in high heels, after beating and stomping on Hollis, he caught up to her and beat her. And but when a car's headlights came into view, he fled, leaving her lying in the middle of the road. Both victims were hospitalized. When they were questioned, they could provide very little information about their assailant. Larry thought he was a. Uh, thought he was black. Hollis thought he was white. Neither knew how tall he was. Two months later, still reliving the horrifying experience, Larry moved to Frederick, Oklahoma to live with her aunt and uncle. Hollis, still suffering three months after the attack, was considering a move to Shreveport to get away from the area. A month after the first attack, on the morning of March 24th, 17-year-old Pollyann Moore, who had graduated from Atlanta High School south of Texarkana the previous May, and 29-year-old Richard L. Griffin, who had been discharged from the CBs a few months earlier, (laughs) were found dead in the backseat of an automobile on a gravel road near Highway 67 west of Texarkana, not far from the attack on Larry and Hollis. Each had been shot in the head. Blood was found splattered inside the car, on the bodies, and on the ground 20 feet away. But any other evidence that might have been useful, fingerprints, footprints, and tire tracks had been wiped away by the hundreds of people who flocked to the scene. Yeesh. Oh, my God. Yep. So we have two attacks in cars on lovers' lanes already. Oh, shit. Keep your, mm-hmm. keep your dick in your pants. <laughs> keep your dick in my butt. I'm sorry. <laughs> what the hell is I meant to say. <laughs> I meant to say pants, but Freudian well. slip. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, by the way, people who don't know, the Seabees is a uh, a construction battalion in the Navy. So he was just coming back from uh, the war, basically. Those from dirty beggars there. going from port to port. What's that movie? Port to port. What's that movie? Oh shit! I don't, I know. I know. You I don't do. remember. I don't. It's not my bag, baby. <laughs> it's from yes, Austin Powers. Okay, Austin's Powers. Yes. Okay, next story. Uh, yeesh. Yeesh. Three weeks later, on Sunday, April fourteenth, two teenagers were found shot to death near Spring Lake Park. Fifteen-year-old Betty Jo Booker of Texarkana and seventeen-year-old Paul Martin of Kilgore had been to the dance of uh, at the Veterans Foreign Wars Hall. Foreign Wars. Foreign Wars Hall. <laughs> the Veterans of Foreign Wars Hall, where Booker had played the saxophone as a member of the high school orchestra. He's got strong lips. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, think it's sh- I think it's her that plays the saxophone, wasn't it? Yeah, the girl. Oh, she's. Uh, that's why Betty he's jo. with her. 
Yeah, he and does. her yeah, name she, is right? Betty Joe. How? Let's just talk about how this story is all going in his favor. <laughs> Up until her it name's doesn't. Betty Joe. Yep. <laughs> Betty Joe. They're and, from Arkansas. I'm sorry. And she plays the saxophone, so she's got strong lips. BJ, mm-hmm. strong lips. Here we go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway. I, I apologize for that last part. That was vulgar. That, that was vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I was wetting my reed. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Oh Lord, is that what we call it? <laughs> Woo! I got it. Wet my reed. <laughs> Band joke. You, <laughs> you. Martin's body was found on the road two miles from his car. He had been shot in the face and apparently having tried to escape in the back of the head. Booker was found in a field a distance up a up a dirt road a mile from where martin's body was found she had been shot in the heart and head and raped again large crowds visit visited the crime scene and had obliterated any clues so basically we have what is that four instances or wait no hold on just uh three yeah because the first yeah just three and the first two people didn't get killed but it's 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 minus the hook portion of the story mm-hmm. you're talking about th- people who were actually parked out on lovers lanes in their cars making out and they got killed yeah so not quite an urban legend entirely um <clears throat> let's see the killer attacked one more time after this but it doesn't it doesn't fit the same thing he attacked a couple in their farmhouse so i left it out of oh. this and if you guys there's a lot of stuff to be done about the Texarkana Moonlight murder. So if you guys wanted to do more on it, people have written books about it. Um, oh, nice. And um, it also inspired the movie, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's from Mm-mm. the early 70s, and there was recently a remake of it. So, huh. um, yeah. Well. Uh, well, then. Yes. So what, what would you say that this so this took place in the 40s and the hook story came about in the 50s would you say that this maybe inspired it Um like inspired the killings or that No the no that the killings inspired the, inspired the story legend. Yes Possibly Yeah I I mean I think that it's not in again in these cases the 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 murders aren't entirely equal to the story yeah. but it almost seems like it's not the hook urban legend isn't totally a cautionary tale no because people did get killed out in their cars yeah you know yeah those all those harlots that are going off with their boyfriends <laughs> to be all dirty and show their boobs they're gonna get killed or they're gonna have a they're gonna have a hook in their car who the fuck doesn't hear a hook going in the car i know screech yeah i well, and the other one, too, is, like, why would he be scratching on the car instead of just, like, opening the door? Right. That's the part yeah. that scared me was the scratch going down the car. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, yeah. I know. I should have just had us, like, tell from our memories the, like, our own memories from these stories. Right. Because every time I read a version of it, I'm like, oh, but they missed this part. Um, anyway. Yeah. I always scare myself with them. <laughs> i know me too uh so i also wanted to mention briefly the zodiac murders and not all of them just a just a few 
because uh, I know you guys uh, are probably going to do Zodiac of at course, some point. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there, three of the Zodiac killings also fit this thing where you have a, a young couple going out to Neck. the middle of nowhere to make out in a car or in one case going out to picnic together. So it's just a couple out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I, the Zodiac murders can't really be called an inspiration for the, for the hook story because the Zodiac murders didn't take place didn't start until the late 60s when the hook story was already like really prevalent so yeah i i definitely wouldn't say they inspired it but it, it's definitely worth talking about whenever you whenever i watch the zodiac movie it's like oh this seems like the hook right and it's about to happen okay so while we were <laughs> while we were going through all these i'm like i i cannot picture what movie this happened mm-hmm. in and i'm like what what the hell one was that I know that all like stuff like this happened. What was it? And I thought of Riverdale, the the TV series. It's kind of like a tween thing, but I watch yeah. it anyway. And uh-huh. like that happens in one of them. And then when he said Zodiac, I was like, oh duh. <laughs> it was that one. Duh. Yeah. So Nikki Nikki and I watched Zodiac in the hospital after yep. her neck surgery. Yeah, wasn't it the and same day? It was the same day. Yeah. And um did you talk how much did you talk about your surgery on the on the sh- like that actual trip to the hospital because that was kind of fun I don't remember <laughs> I, I'm sure I was on painkillers at the time so I don't remember how much I talked about it well we were um so Nikki and I were the only people on that floor <laughs> that night like the entire floor it was one nurse and Nikki and me yeah and yeah, and we decided to watch Zodiac because, you know, if you're in alone in a hospital, you want to watch a scary movie. Right. <laughs> Why wouldn't I you? Had, I'm sure you were in pain, but that was... I, I still had fun that night. I wasn't we, really in pain, though. I actually felt pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Well, just enough opiates and you're good to go. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was... Well, we... Uh, and, and then we went down to the first floor... And we got some goodies out of the uh, vending machine. Yeah, that we could somehow. Find. <laughs> I know, because somehow after having your neck operated on, you were still able to walk around the hospital. That was miraculous. <laughs> they didn't want me to. I don't think, if I remember right, they were kind of like, "I don't think you should do that." Oh yeah, the nurse wasn't going to let us do it, mm-hmm. and uh, and she's like, "Well, the vending machine's really close, so just go right to it." <laughs> <laughs> right but instead we like walk out and we decide to walk around basically the entire perimeter of the hospital uh-huh. trying to find the fucking vending machine that and was right where she said it was <laughs> <laughs> we, i was just like no i swear it's over this way i thought i saw one when i was checking in i think it's over oh. here oh no so we walked oh, around the whole hospital mm-hmm. now that i Junk think it sounds so good mm-hmm. right now oh mm-hmm. <laughs> now that i think of it that was probably that probably should have scared us a little it was a little bit of a creepy time because we were literally the only people there besides yeah. that nurse and even when we went to the first floor well actually on the first floor there was no uh-uh. like nobody we imagine so like if you've seen halloween 2 it was that mm, yeah that's... we're walking around this hospital <laughs> just us i was telling calvin while we were watching halloween 2 i'm like you know this is such bullshit it's not that dark there's more people than that in a hospital and then i was like but wait 
But wait. And so then I was like, oh, when I had my neck surgery, Kagan and I were wandering around the hospital in the middle of the night, and there was not one person there, and it was probably Nobody. about the same lighting. <laughs> so I think we. I think we were having enough fun that it didn't seem scary no. to us. Yeah. But but the situation, I think the scariest part was when we were in the room and there was no, and um, there was sounds coming from the ceiling. Yeah. That was kind of creepy. Yeah. But, so there were probably people up there doing something, but. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was. Creepy. I forgot about that because the lady was like, mm-hmm. the nurse was like, "Yeah, that happens at night," and we're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> oh my okay. god! Oh, quick, quick squirrel hunt. Yeah. Um. So at the OB department of the hospital, yeah. there's one of the rooms that they always have. You heard the story Uh-oh. that one of the rooms is haunted, and so and dad dad doesn't have time for any of that shit. Right. Like he doesn't believe any of it at all and he's and he's listening to the nurses talk about the haunted room and so he decides after he was finished with his rounds one day he went and hid in that room and he grabbed the <laughs> <laughs> he grabbed the nurse call button and he just hid in a place where they couldn't see him and he presses the nurse call button and one of the nurses comes down and opens the door looks in there no patient no nobody is like huh <laughs> Turns off the thing, goes back to her desk. Dad's sitting there, presses it again. Nurse comes back down the hall, opens up the door. Nobody there. Dad pops up from behind the exam oh, table God. and yells and screams at her. And she's just like, ooh, you are an evil little man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Makes me so happy. Well, when I was little and I was going to bed, this is probably why I don't like going to bed. But when I was like seven or eight going to bed, I had this day bed that was pretty high off the ground because it had like the trundle bed underneath it and everything. And Uh I would be going to bed and I would be sitting there talking to mom or whatever I was doing. And all of a sudden he pops up out of fucking nowhere, (laughs) screams at me and scares me to death. And then I can't sleep. And this was like a repeat thing. It happened all the time. And I was like, how are you getting in here? And I don't see you because I could see from the door to the bed. How in the fuck was he getting in there? I still don't know. I I don't know if he went up before me or if he was, I don't know if he was waiting until I was distracted. Yeah. And he did it often and scared the shit out of me. Well, do you remember he would do that when we went on hikes, too? Yes. He would go ahead on the hike. He would find some tree where he was completely obscured and just jump out. And and he would wait probably for a long time sometimes. Mm-hmm. And people wonder why I don't like jump scares. I don't wait, know. One, <laughs> one, more, one more squirrel hunt, and okay. I promise I'll get back on topic. Um, so, Mackenzie, that's our, that's our sister. Mackenzie had told me, well, there was this one time when we were really little and she uh, came, like, in the middle of the night, started screaming bloody murder. Like, the whole house is asleep. yes. And she comes barreling down the stairs. I think, did you still live with us at this point? Yep. Because I was in the room right next to her. That's right. So she was in Ryan's old room and you were across the hall. She goes barreling down the stairs and I'm... And I just remember, I think I was in mom and dad's room, probably sleeping on the sofa bed or something. And yeah. and, and she comes down and she tells the story how there was this guy in the window 
that she saw who was wearing like a hunt uh, orange hunter's cap and he was just looking into the room which was Do you impossible remember? from that which room. was impossible okay so through through all the years i'm just trying to figure out wow that's an oddly specific detail i wonder where she came up with that well i was at the cabin not this time but the time before and i was reading one of those rl stein books a fear street book and it was about it was called i think the book was called wrong number two and i just picked it up and i started reading it for shits and giggles and that exact event happens in that book a guy in hunter's orange pops up in somebody's window oh no i'm like I'm like, holy shit, she read about this. Yeah. Well... And she goes... Yeah. The one I'm thinking of is the one where she said there was something in her closet. It was like the same experience, same thing happened. There was a guy Mm -hmm. in her closet with red eyes. Yeah. And she said that he lived there for quite some time. Ooh. So... Yeah, we we can't talk bad about Mackenzie on the podcast, but she had an she had an active imagination and she told terrible, scary stories. And by terrible, I mean actually scary, like scare the shit out of you, scary stories. Right, that the black the China doll, yeah, (laughs) the one with the red eyes in her closet. Like I was like, dude, shut up! Like, can you not? Because it scared the shit out of me, and I was like sixteen at the time. Can we not do this? I am not okay with the red eyes. Even though I don't believe you, I am not okay uh-huh. with the red eyes that you think that are hanging out in your closet. No. <laughs> I still have closet issues because of that, and I know uh. what you did last summer. No. Oh, yeah. You talked about that with Chuck, too. Yep. Anyhow. Anyway, I could keep I, I could keep going on and on, but here's... I guess I should probably play our third musical excerpt. Okay. So here's music excerpt number three. Okay, so the next urban legend we're going to be discussing is the babysitter and the man upstairs. Oh, fuck this. Nope. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> you love this one. And that's love the end one. of the Color Me Dead fuck. Urban legend yes, episode. Yes, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> well, do you want to tell your own version of this? No. Like if you were just telling somebody instead of reading the synopsis? No, I'm going to read it because I, I forgot most of it. Okay. But just so you know, when mom left us home to babysit you and I would call Aunt Kay, this is why. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. A teenage girl is babysitting at night. The children have been put to bed upstairs and the babysitter is downstairs watching TV. The phone rings. A man tells her to check on the children. The teenager dismisses the call and goes back to watching TV. The stranger calls back several times. Eventually, the girl becomes worried about, or becomes worried and calls the police, who tell her they will trace the next call. After he calls again, the police call back, telling her that the call is coming from inside the house, and they tell her to get out now. She goes outside, and the police meet her. They explain that the calls were coming from inside the house, and that the man was calling her after killing the children. <laughs> this was before cell phones okay so calling from inside the house was not a fucking thing <laughs> uh-huh 
Unless you had two two, lines like we did. (laughs) Which we did. Yep. Which we did. We had a private line in the 90s. We had a Mm -hmm. public and a private line. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. So does that basically sum up your remembrance of that story? Yep. So I, I've i never babysat before, so I, I never really had this, but I feel like it doesn't, you don't even have to be a babysitter for, because Scream is basically that. Yeah. You know, th- they basically have somebody calling from inside the house at, at different times. Mm-hmm. Because cell phones were a new deal in the 90s. Yeah, and in Scream, it was like not very many people had cell phones, so... Mm-hmm. Fuck. Uh. So th- there are a lot of movies that are based on this. Uh, there's a couple versions of When a Stranger Calls. I think one came out in the 80s and another one came out in the early 2000s. Uh, there's Scream and then, of course, the movie Urban Legend. Uh, the one that I would recommend people check out, highly, highly recommend, is the original Black Christmas, which yeah. we're going to talk about uh, again later but black christmas is in my top 10 favorite horror movies it came out in the 70s and it's i think it's legitimately scary um i've only seen clips of it and uh, nope yeah so the funny thing about it is it's actually so you know the the movie a christmas story Mm -hmm. so that's by the canadian film director what the hell is his name bob clark i think is his name and Bob Clark also directed Black Christmas. Oh, you told which, me that. I remember now. And Black Christmas is a no bullshit rated R intense. Yeah. It's not very gruesome. It's more kind of like it will get under your skin. Yeah. And the ending of Black Christmas will will like you'll have a hard time sleeping after you watch it because you'll feel totally unresolved. Yeah. And be like, oh, this is disgusting but anyway our last case that we're going to talk about also talks about things in black christmas so we'll talk about black christmas again later okay (laughs) all right so again a lot like the hook the babysitter and the man upstairs seems like a scare tactic for babysitters in this case like to stay off the phone Mm -hmm. um don't rack up the phone bill while we're away. It's <laughs> something that that people would tell their babysitters. But like the hook, this story originated in 1950s and proliferated in teen culture well before it was ever published anywhere. Also, like the hook, it seems to be a cautionary tale. I already said that. Uh, don't use the phone because who knows who might be on the other end. More no. likely, it seems like a scenario teenagers imagined while babysitting on long nights alone. Mm-hmm. So... As it turned out, this may have also been inspired by a true crime. Uh, And before we get into this true crime, it is kind of similar to the Texarkana Moonlight Murders in that the exact details are not the same as the urban legend, but there are some similarities in this particular case. Oh, good. So if you want want to take it away. I will take it away from here. It was March 18th, 1950, just days before her 13th birthday. Janet Crispin was a babysitting three-year-old Gregory Romick at his home on Stewart Road, then on the outskirts of the city. Sometime after Crispin put the toddler to bed and before his parents returned around 1.30 a.m., an intruder shattered a window and attacked her in the Romick's living room. Although a garden hose 
Left outside was used to break the window. Police said the furniture and light fixtures near the window were totally undisturbed, making it impossible that he entered that way. This indicated to investigators that the intruder attempted to make it look like the house had been broken into. At 10.35 p.m. earlier that evening, Officer Roy McCowan received a jarring phone call. A girl was screaming hysterically on the other end, and McCowan heard the words, Come quick, and then the connection, however, broke off before the girl could identify herself. At that late hour, test board, the test board at the telephone company was not staffed, and the call could not be traced. At about 1.35 a.m., the Romics returned home to find the front Venetian blinds open and the porch light illuminated. Both the front and back doors were unlocked, and a side window was broken open. Crispin lay in a pool of blood on a shag, on a shag carpet by the family piano. In the attack, she was hit in the head with a blunt weapon, raped, and strangled with an iron cord. Several small puncture wounds on her head were consistent with that of a mechanical pencil. Ew. And I know. Isn't that like yeah. weirdly specific and disturbing? Yeah, a lot. An item often carried by a close friend of one of the of the Romics, Robert Mueller. He had met Christman several times and, according to court documents, expressed his admiration for Christman's figure and her mature development and expressed the opinion that she was a virgin. Mrs. Romick. By the way, I'll remind you she was 13 oh, at this time. Oh, God. Yeah. Mrs. Romick told the police that this, she thought Mueller had made, an un, had made unwelcome advances toward Christman in the past. The prime suspect, 27-year-old Robert Mueller, was never charged, passed a lie detector test, and eventually sued the sheriff's office for uh, and others for holding him illegally. Oh, my God. That's horrible. Yeah, by the way, yeah, so the um, that crime is still unsolved. And by the way, I know what you are all thinking. Robert Mueller, it's not the famous one in the news right now. <laughs> um, he he was too little for that to, for Just that to be him. Little. I I checked, um, <laughs> but I, again, this isn't the exact same. But it's really the similarities to the urban legend are that you have a babysitter who's babysitting in a house, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, um, and she was attacked by somebody who was inside the house. the uh, The breaking and entering was supposed to make it look like somebody had broken in even though they hadn't so uh and i didn't mention this took place in columbia missouri which oh, is where shit. this is where our our, our daddy grew up it's where daddy Carol. grew up yeah so um I, I think i already said everything from this but yeah what do, what do you think about this one um, this is pretty much all of my fears when i was younger babysitting you guys even though ryan was there like, I didn't care. We were all still young. We were all, you know, Ryan's only two and yeah. a half, th almost three years older than me. And we were all young and alone. And oh, my God, I hated it. I hated it. Mm -hmm. Or even if I wasn't babysitting, even if I just got left alone, it, it freaked me the shit out. I always called my aunt and was like, or our aunt, Aunt Kay, and was like, come help me. She's left. They've left us home. Come <laughs> and get me. And I always got in trouble, but I didn't care. I was like, I'd rather be not scared. All right. Did Kay ever come and get you? Oh, yeah. Multiple times. Oh, really? Was, That's yeah, funny. Before they moved to California. Yeah. She left me again. I was so scared. Well, and... I mean, we we didn't really live, we lived kind of, a lot of people in Vernal live in a middle of nowhere of sorts. Right. That is really, really far away. 
from like a police office or anything like that. The yeah. Air Village was pretty, re- was fairly remote still. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. There was not a lot around. Oh my God. Nope. Everything scared yeah. me. Well, I'm going to go ahead and play. Do you have anything else you want to say about the babysitter and the man no, upstairs? No, it just scares me still. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to play our fourth musical excerpt. That's number four. All right, the next one we're going to talk about is the Candyman, not Dean Coral, the Candyman. Ew, with his bag of dicks. Yeah. So this is something that you already talked about on a previous episode. This was a while ago. I don't know if you remember it. Uh, it's the guy who poisoned Halloween candy named Oh, yeah, Ronald I remember that. Ronald Clark O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Um So this urban legend is pretty simple. It's that somebody tampered with Halloween candy. The urban legend has become so common that warnings about poisoned Halloween candy routinely make their way onto local news channels and hospitals even offered up complimentary uh, candy x-rays. That's true. It actually, hospitals have actually done that. that. Yeah, I remember that. The reality is that there have been exactly zero cases reported uh, to law enforcement of legitimately tampered with Halloween candy. And that's in this whole country. So razor blade in carameled apples so far is just an urban legend. At least this is what several facts on fact checks online say that I've looked up. So I would invite anybody because I think I've talked to people who said, no, that totally happened. But that's kind of the way urban legends work is that you right. think that they happened and then you look it up and you're just like, oh, wait, there are zero instances where kids in my community were poisoned by Halloween candy. For the most part, it's totally an urban legend. But the only real true documented case is Ronald Clark O'Brien and his case was more horrifying because instead of poisoning strangers, he poisoned his son by giving him a potassium cyanide laced pixie stick. Uh, so O'Brien had recently taken out a life insurance policy on his son, was hoping to cash in on the money to deal with some debts that he owed. So, yeah, hmm. you remember that one now. You yeah. talked about that one on yeah, the show. Yeah, I remember that one. So these are just kind of a couple short ones before we get to our last major one. Um, so do you want to talk about the next one, Elisa Lamb? You guys have mentioned this on the show before, too. Yeah. The urban legend that this um case is kind of uh influencing is the is dark water so yeah so ever thought your water tasted weird one day ever wondered what it could possibly be the urban legend goes that a city's water supply was contaminated or appeared dark because of dead a dead body or bodies that were left in the water tower gross on January 31st of 2013 Canadian student Elisa Lamb Eliza how did you say? I think it? it's a, it's it's a, it's Elisa. Elisa Lamb was last seen alive by him by an employee of the Hotel Cecil in Los Angeles. Lamb disappeared on that day, and she remained missing for several weeks after she failed to check out the property as scheduled in February of 2013. 
On February 6, 2013, the Los Angeles Police Department released information about the disappearance of Elisa Lam in the hopes of finding her alive, and on the following day held a press conference on the case that was covered in the local and national news. On February 14th of 2013, surveillance video from the Hotel Cecil in Los Angeles was released by police. In those lengthy clips, Lam was seen lingering in an elevator and behaving in an unusual fashion. Many viewers of the unsettling clips inferred Lam was interacting with an unknown person or persons off camera, while others suspected the young woman was experiencing an episode of acute mental illness or was under the influence of drugs. So, have you seen this video before? No. Okay, after we, um, after you finish reading this, I'm going to show it to you, and I'm curious to get your reaction on recording. Okay. Okay. Five days after the release of the videos, the hotel began to investigate guest complaints of lower water pressure and an odd taste in the water supply, and maintenance workers located a body later identified of, as that of Elisa Lamb in one of four large water tanks on the roof of Hotel Cecil. The next day, public health officials issued a do-not-drink advisory to the hotel guests and pending hotel guests pending testing of the water to determine whether it was safe to use. The current confirmed cause of death was an accidental drowning due to Lamb's bipolar disorder. However, there is no precise evidence for what happened. Many people speculate that it could have possibly been a murder. Okay, go go over and uh, watch that video I sent. So, um, this, is, this is actually a pretty famous, creepy YouTube video. Um, and this is actually Elisa Lamb um, uh, in the, the uh, hotel the night that she went missing when she was staying there. And it is just a really, if you haven't watched it, you, you should, it's, it's really strange and it's really disturbing, especially when you know that at the end of this night that she died, um, by drowning in the water tank on top of the hotel. And if you watch her, she kind of, she really looks like she's afraid of something. Oh, I Um, have seen this. Yeah, it creeps me the fuck out. Oh my gosh. And I feel I feel a little bad watching it because it it's it really is a sad story and realistically it is definitely possible that she um she does some really bizarre things, especially later on with her hands. Um Yeah. Like she moves her hands around in this way where they it almost looks alien. So when the moment when she steps out of the elevator to the left, she'll start moving her hands and doing this crazy shit with them. And a lot of conspiracy theorists who have got some interesting crackpot theories about this think that she's doing some sort of ritual. Really? Um, uh-huh. I, I person, my personal belief about this is that she, um, she, she's maybe having some sort of manic episode. Yeah. And she decided to take a swim up in the water tower but it's not um i i don't know for sure it it's very possible that she was murdered there by somebody uh there's a lot of other conspiracy theories about that but i wanted to talk a little bit about the cecil hotel this is aside from the urban legend but the cecil hotel is actually a really infamous place for murders and suicides dating back to the 1930s uh the first murder that took place there was in the 30s um this is in uh in california 
Oh yeah, man, my, I'm watching it right now. And she's you? doing the hand thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the where hand I'm thing. At too. Oh god, it freaks me out. So uh, the the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, actually took up residence in that hotel as well, and he was killing people there. And then there was the Australian killer named Jack Underweger who also killed people there. So it's not out of the possibility that she was actually murdered on that night. Oh my god, though. I know, isn't that video unsettling? Yes, and the I don't elevator, like, it. like like what is even happening with the elevator? It doesn't well, move. I, yeah, why it, isn't it closing? That's what I want to know. Why the hell isn't well, it closing? Well, here's the thing. At some point, because you're you're going to see it close in a second, and that's what's even stranger about that video is that um while the you you might think when you start watching the video from the beginning, you're like, oh, the the elevator's broken. Like, it's just not working. And she presses all the buttons, and it's still not working. And then at some point, it just closes. Oh, fuck. That just gave me for, the chills. Right? Nope. Like, for no reason. It just closes, and then after that, it just opens again. It's like, Ugh. uh Anyway, so the dark water urban legend is kind of true in this particular case um i'm gonna mention one more thing before we go on to well actually no i'm gonna do music selection five now if that's okay well yeah and i'll post a link to this video in the show notes so that people can watch it as well they can have the link for it because that's Mm -hmm. oh my god fuck that it's like yeah for for people who want to see something gruesome or exciting, nothing really happens in the video. No, but knowing what um, happened later just makes it super creepy as shit. Yeah, and it also makes like all of her behavior really confusing mm-hmm. and and creepy. Um, yeah. Okay, so here's uh, the fifth music selection. Before we go into the next one, I have to mention the filmmaker Joshua Zeman. Uh, he made a movie called Killer Legends, which is really basically what we've been talking about on this episode so far. Not everything, but uh, his his movie is a documentary about urban legends that may have been inspired by true crimes and the babysitter killer and the, um, and the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. He touches on both of those. Oh, wow. Um, so that's on Netflix right now, I think. So if you want to watch a documentary about this, it exists. Um, and then the next case that we're going to be talking about, we're going to touch on briefly. Uh, he made an entire documentary just about this one case. He did? Um, yeah, about cro- there's a documentary called Cropsy. Oh, good. That you can watch. You're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> All right, so I'll let you read about Cropsy now. 
The name Cropsy is most commonly heard being whispered around the campfires of Boy Scouts or in bunk beds of Jewish sleepaway campers up and down the Hudson Valley. It is the tale of the Cropsy Maniac, and it has been around for longer than anyone can ever remember, scaring children, parents, and anyone else in between for more than a century. Folklorists have dedicated an extensive amount of time researching this urban legend from innocuous campfire tales to its reemergence as an overriding theme in the modern-day slasher film. It is a classic urban legend, a cautionary tale pervasive in both our oral traditions and mass media. This is the story of a nightmare come to life. Once Cropsey was out... Once... Cropsy was just an urban legend. The bookie man, <laughs> good God, I'm failing. <laughs> the bookie man, watch the out bookie. for your books. If you have books, the bookie man is coming to get them. <laughs> <laughs> he accepts bets and he'll also steal all your literature. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your books locked up tight. The bookie man is coming to town. Uh huh. Uh-huh. The Bookie Man of Staten Island. Did I <laughs> you just, just say it again? <laughs> Why do I always do that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Connoisseur of steamy young adult supernatural novels. The Bookie Man. Rated R starts Friday. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. The Boogeyman of Staten Island in New York City. Cropsey was rumored to be a homicidal madman, an escaped mental patient with a hook for a hand, who haunted children and dragged them back to the abandoned ruins of the old Seaview Hospital, a former tuberculosis sanitarium. Parents would use Cropsey to warn their children to be good. Other siblings would tell Cropsey stories at night to terrify their younger brothers and sisters. But then in the 1970s, Cropsey came to life in the form of an actual homicidal madman who really did hunt children. His name was Andre Rand. In the 1960s, Rand worked as a custodian at Staten Island's Willowbrook State School, a state-funded... Of course he fucking did. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was a state or custodians. <laughs> fuck, mother- it's all the keys. Like all the keys, just <laughs> piss them the fuck off. They can't take jingle. it. They're like everywhere I walk, I jingle, and I'm just gonna go fucking crazy, okay? <laughs> and I'm gonna go steal somebody's child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a good thing their getaway v- v- vehicle is just those floor waxers, though. Right. So, so you can outrun them. Yeah, you're yeah, good. It's not- it's really not a problem. It's like the steamroller on Austin Powers when the guy's like, <laughs> no! And it's forever away from him. That's what uh-huh. this guy is like. <clears throat> anyway, the Willowbrook State School was a state-funded institution for children with disabilities. The institution's the institution operated till 1987 when questionable, con- questionable conditions and medical practices led to its closure. Between the early 1970s and the closing of the Willowbrook State School, several young girls went missing. Dun, dun, dun. Mm, yish. Yish. On July 10th of 1972, five-year-old Alice Pereira disappeared in her neighborhood just a few miles southeast, southeast of Willowbrook. As he had already served 16 months in prison for the abduction of, nine, of a nine-year-old girl, Rand was the prime spu- Oh, my God. Suspect. Suspect. Was mm-hmm. the prime suspect. However, there wasn't enough evidence to convince him in the case of Pereira. 
or Pereira. Pereira. <laughs> I know the first time you read that, you had such you had such a certainty. I was like, "Wow, good for you." I don't even know how to say that name. <laughs> Pereira. Pereira. I don't know. Yeesh. I just fucking flow with it, right? On mm-hmm. July, 15th, it sounds nice. It does. It's like the water. What is the water? Perrier. Is that what it is? Oh yeah, yeah, Perrier. Perrier. That's right. Mm-hmm. On July 15th, 1981, seven-year-old Holly Ann Hughes went missing, too. Her parents filed a missing persons report, and several witnesses reported seeing the girl with Rand, who was also later suspected in the 1983 disappearance of an ele- of 11-year-old Tyhees Jackson and the 1984 disappearance of 21-year-old Hank Gaffario. 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 It was <laughs> ice cold milk and Gaforio cookies. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm 12 years old. God, I need some Oreos right now. <laughs> yeah. what, Gaforio. Like sometimes I get distracted because I gotta get laid. You need to get Oreos. I mean, I know. It's I'm sitting here thinking. Uh, yeah, I just like the little cartoon thought bubbles pop up next to us, and yours is just like somebody doing the 79. And right, <laughs> I've got the 79, and you've got Oreos. Like, uh-huh. we know we know what we got to do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, girl. Thinking about your creamy insides all day. <laughs> And that can go for either one of our bubbles. <laughs> oh, man. I even feel uncomfortable. How come? I feel like you and Angel are, are allowed to get grosser than I Because mean, I'm just like, I just want to dunk you in milk so bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see, for me, that would be like the opposite because I'm fat. So I'd be like referring to the man as food. And uh, yeah, I want to dunk you in some milk and lick you off. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> you're gonna get so soft <laughs> you're gonna get so, so soft and i'm gonna bite right in <laughs> well then you get to the point where it just can't be sexual anymore no i'm gonna have to get a spoon and dig you out of the bottom of the cup <laughs> <laughs> and then it's murder <laughs> like and then it's murder we've we've gone too far at that point <laughs> yeah but, Oh man, I hate it around this time of year. They make the, they always have the Halloween versions of, and I'm really good at avoiding junk food, but when it's just like Halloween Oreos, I'm like, you sons of bitches, now I have to get them. So mad. I know. Luckily, my kids will devour them, so then I won't have any left, so it's fine. (laughs) You won't have to worry about it. Yeah. It was the disappearance of 12 year old Jennifer Schweiger. 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 Yes. However, that finally nailed Rand. 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 (laughs) It's just one R. There's nothing special. Uh (laughs) Schweiger, who was born with Down syndrome, was reported missing on July 9th, 1987, after a search that lasted 35 days. Schweiger's body was found in a shallow grave on the property of the former Willowbrook State School employee oh on the state school oh my god i kept waiting for it to say the employee's yeah. like house or whatever yeah. no. No. no jesus fucking no, he was, christ yeah so he was a local boogie he was like a he was like a local boogeyman urban legend in staten island that turned out to be very real and he actually did drag people to you know this abandoned um 
this abandoned building, this abandoned old hospital, and he was the custodian at the school, which makes it even creepier. Yeah, I don't like that um, at all. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to watch a full documentary about him, it is called Cropsy. Uh, and I had also mentioned kind of written above that there's a there's a few films that are that use the name Cropsy in it. And one of them is a 1980 slasher called The Burning. Mm. And it's actually it's actually a pretty good movie. It's got a young George Costanza in it. It's kind of funny. Really? <laughs> a young a young skinny with hair version of George Costanza. Holy shit. Yeah, it might be wa- worth watching just for that. No shit. So, some other urban legends I looked up that seem to not have any true crime ties. I thought they would just be fun to mention. Um, uh, the killer in the back seat. Are you familiar familiar with that one? No. So that one basically goes that uh, a person is driving down the road, and. Uh, the car behind them keeps flashing their beams into their car and driving really aggressive and getting really close to them. And eventually, um, like, they try and uh, swerve and force them off the road. Uh, and when they do, uh, this person is terrified, thinking they're about to... They get out of their... You know, they stop, pull over, and they get out of the car, and they're kind of running and screaming. And this person in the car behind them catches up and says... Are you ask them if they're okay? And he's like, "What? What's your problem? Why were you flashing your beams at me?" Oh, and they say, yes. "And he says, well, there was a person in your back seat with a knife that was trying to kill you. And every time that I flashed my beams at you, um, he would, uh, he would duck back back down behind mm-hmm. the seat." I remember this. So, I fucking hated that for so long. Like I didn't want to drive in the dark. Why do I know all these? Why, Kate? This is what I want to know. <laughs> I am such a scaredy cat. Why the hell did I know all of these urban legends when I was younger to be able to scare me? Who the hell was telling me these? I don't even know. And I feel like I, I, I feel like I remember, um, Grandma McDowell telling me a few of them. Hmm. Well, they've been a lot of them have been a lot of them have been around for a really long time. Um, do you remember those scary storybooks that I had? Uh huh. I I, di- I just got them for Emma too. The scary stories she, to tell in the dark. Yeah, Fuck the, that, that shit. this. Yeah, this <laughs> one is that one is in that book. Oh, that's the, probably. Yeah. And then the last one is the roommate's death, and as far as I can tell, there are no true crimes that actually happened. This and this particular one is I in the, mo- the movie Urban Legend. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, it's um. Um, somebody thinks like they're college roommates and one of them thinks that their, um, uh, their roommate is having sex. And so they want to give them privacy. So they keep the lights off and they just hear all these noises. And when they wake up, when, when one of the roommates wakes up, they look over and they find their roommate dead. And on the wall, it says, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? I love it. Yeah. I remember that one. And then there was one, um, Okay, I don't think you have this in here. And I don't know what it's called, so you can help me out maybe. And I think it's from your book, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. There's Mm -hmm. a lady who, um, I think she was just old. And she had a dog that would come and lick her hand to let her know that everything was okay. Yep. And Yeah, I know the story. You might have to help me fill in because I don't really remember all of it. But she kept hearing stuff and telling her dog to go check, and it would come and lick her she, hand. Yeah, so she she would hear this dripping in her bathroom. Ah, that's what it was. 
Yeah, and, and she had her dog would always sleep under her bed, and she'd reach her hand down there, and the dog would lick her hand when she yes. got scared. Christine told me this one, actually. Yep. Uh, our cousin Christine. And, uh, you know, at a certain point, she decides to get up and check. And in the bathroom, she finds her dog bloodied, hanging up in the shower. And that's what's making the dripping sound is the dog's blood. And she turns around and the guy is uh, guy is standing there and he says, dogs aren't the only ones that can lick your fingers. Yeah. Dog, humans can lick hands too or some shit. Yeah, humans Ooh. can lick hands too. Yeah. Ew. Ugh. No, uh-huh. that, one, that just gave me chills. That one's always scared the shit out of me. I don't like it. Yeah. Well, they all scare do me. You, do you remember? Do you remember any more? I'm trying to think because we've gone over most of the main ones that I knew. Mm-hmm. And there's the, obviously the kidney one that I can't remember the whole story on. Oh, the kidney, like in the bathtub, uh-huh. right? Like people getting their kidney stolen for the black market. Yeah, and I remember that I knew it, and then I remember seeing it in the movie Urban Legends. But I cannot remember mm-hmm. like the whole story that I just people would come to and their kidneys were gone. I'm looking. I'm looking that up right now because Snopes has been pretty good about uh, with Urban Legends, and they say this one's false. They say that there's no true cases that are based on this that somebody has well that's good you to know. know attention <laughs> your kidneys have been removed seek medical medical attention immediately yeah Ugh. gross that one's pretty brutal yeah i don't like it i don't like it wasn't joshua jackson in that in the urban legends movie yeah i think he was because all I, he was the yeah I, he was the hotness back in the 90s yeah i remember that I saw that movie. I don't know why. Like, sometimes now questioning, I'll go back and be like, why the fuck did I watch that movie? And I can't remember who I watched most of them with. Like, who in the hell talked me into this shit? That's what I want to mm-hmm. know. If you're if you're listening, <laughs> where who are you and how the hell did you do that? <laughs> What's your problem? What the fuck you was know. your motive? Well, Christine might have been responsible for some of it, too. I remember she liked scary movies a lot. She was responsible for... Oh, fuck. What is that movie? The one with Halle Berry. Oh, Gothica. Gothica. Which didn't... That one scares the shit out of you. Yeah. Well, just one part of it. Most of it doesn't scare me, but the there's one or two parts to scare the shit out of me. Oh, okay. So here's music. The sixth music piece. The sixth horror music piece. Here it is. The Stranger in the Attic. I can already tell I'm not going to like this if I don't know it already. This is my this is my favorite one. A family that lives in a secluded farmhouse starts noticing strange occurrences. Objects in the house seem to be moving around and going missing, or new objects show up out of nowhere. Fuck a bunch of that, okay? The, <laughs> the mother and the family can't help but having the feeling that she is being watched at all times. I don't like this. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the children are noticing strange noises. In the middle of the night, the family hears the ceilings creak as, as footsteps move from one end of the house to the next. The wife and children are certain the house is haunted, but the father attributes it to the strange occurrences to, <laughs> to the house being old. Unfortunately, they are all wrong. On a cold winter night, some months earlier, a vagrant... Is that the right mm-hmm. word? A vagrant climbed yes. the sides of the house in, into the attic of the house where he began squatting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? No squatting the, here. That's the, <laughs> I installed a sign that says no squatting, goddammit. It's it. very clear. If you didn't read it, I don't. that's not my problem. No squatting. Can't you read? Mm-hmm. So this urban legend is sometimes told in conjunction with the babysitter and the man upstairs mm-hmm. saying that the the man upstairs who's been calling the babysitter has actually been living up in the attic for a long time. Squatter. Squatter. Uh, so in Black Christmas, it's actually um, it's actually a, a mashup of these two things, kind of. Uh, they're getting calls from inside the house and there's a stranger living in the attic. That's what the premise of Black Christmas is, basically. Okay. Um, so this particular urban legend is based very closely on something that happened in a German farmhouse in 1922. So this is kind of long, but I think this is the most interesting of all the cases that inspired urban legends. So oh, I'm good. going to, I'm going to read this one. Okay. The Hinterkaifeck killings. The Gabriel family lived in an isolated farm in Germany, about an hour away from Munich, just behind the town of Kaifeck. The name Hinterkaifeck literally means behind Kaifeck. The farm was home to 35-year-old Victoria, her til- her two children, 7-year-old Katzilia. As- Do you know from your German studying how you pronounce that name? No. Because... Katzilia. That's how I'm going to say it. It looks Italian. <laughs> <laughs> well, in German, it actually has two dots over the A. Oh. No, I, I can't remember how all that goes. That, that was a long it's time been ago. A while. <laughs> I know. So, uh, so 35-year-old Victoria, her two uh, children, seven-year-old Katzilia and two-year-old Josef, as well as her elderly parents, Andreas and Katzilia Gruber. On a winter morning in 1922, Andreas Gruber walked outside of the farmhouse to a fresh layer of snow and noticed something odd. From the neighboring woods was a line of footprints in the snow leading toward the house. What was odd is that the footprints went to the edge of the house, but there weren't any footprints leading away from it. Andreas mentioned this to some people in town, but he eventually dismissed it. In the weeks following, strange things started happening in and around the farm. Andreas mentioned some to some of the people in town that a key to their home had gone missing. One day, a newspaper showed up on the counter that nobody in the house had any memory of getting. It just showed up on the counter. The family also started noticing strange noises in the house, uh, footsteps in the dark, and creaking ceilings. It was about this time that the family the family maid quit abruptly. She told everyone that the house was haunted. The townspeople dismissed many of these occurrences until April 1st, 1922, when young Katzilia missed school, and then the entire family failed to show up at church where they regularly attended. Katzilia missed school again. The mail had begun to pile up at their local post, so Lorenz Schleitenbauer, a neighbor farmer, led a search party. What they found was a macabre multi-homicide of the entire family. Inside the barn... I know. 
Inside the barn next to the house was the brutally battered bodies of Andreas, his wife, his daughter, and granddaughter Katsilia. The elder Katsilia showed signs of strangulation and several blows to the head, which after which left her with a cracked skull. The face of her husband Andreas was caked with blood, and his cheekbones protruded from shredded flesh. Victoria's skull was also smashed and her head was shoved in, star-shaped wounds uh, with star-shaped wounds, and the right side of her face had been hit with a blunt object. The younger Katsilia's lower jaw had been shattered and her face and neck covered in gaping circular wounds. Uh, while, the, yeah. while the elder Katsilia, Andreas, and Victoria likely died instantly from the expertly delivered blows from a mattock, a pickaxe-like tool used for digging and chopping, the autopsy found that the younger Katsilia likely remained alive and in shock for several hours after her attack. While she was dying, she had ripped out her own hair in clumps. Oh my god. Yeah, isn't that disturbing? Yeah. So while the search party thought they had seen the end of this their, the, this gruesome discovery, they found something even more horrifying inside. The new maid had met a similar fate inside the house as well as two-year-old Yosef. Yosef was killed with heavy blows to the face in, the cot in, in his cot in his mother's room. All the bodies were covered with sheets except for Yosef, who was covered with one of his mother's dresses. Oh, God. The family's dogs had... This part is super creepy to me for some reason. The family's dogs had remarkably been left unharmed and were actually taken care of in the days between the murders and the discovery of the bodies. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so was whoever was... hanging out, taking care of the dogs, and stepping over the dead bodies. Whoop. Yep. We'll just step so over he was living... He was living in their attic, and then after he lived in their attic, he, uh... Killed them and then just hung out at the house for a while. This is why small houses are just fine. <laughs> okay. After the discovery of the body, some of the townspeople had begun piecing together what Andreas had told them and what had happened. The footsteps. What had happened? What had happened was. The footsteps from the woods, the missing key, the sounds in the attic, and the smoking chimney in the days following the crimes painted a horrifying picture of an intruder who took up residence in the family's attic before murdering them in a single bloody evening. God. While this case remains unsolved, one suspect has become the most popular over the years, uh, over years and years of investigation. Victoria was a widow whose husband had died in World War I, and the parentage of her son, Yosef, remains a mystery to this day. She had a relationship with Lauren Schlittenba uh, Schlittenbauer, the man who had led the search party that discovered the bodies. Victoria and Lorenz planned to marry until Victoria's father, Andreas, interfered. Around this time, Victoria had given birth to little Yosef, and fearing to be ostracized for having a baby out of wedlock, she simply listed the father on the birth certificate as L.S. Remember Lauren, oh. Lawrence Schleitzenbauer? Mm-hmm. So Lawrence eventually married someone else. Though his wife became pregnant, their baby tragically died a few weeks later. Investigators theorized that Lorenz was so disturbed by the loss of Victoria and his baby um, and not being... Hold on. Lorenz was so disturbed by the loss of Victoria, not being involved in the life of little Yosef, and then losing another baby drove him to madness. Only one thing could be stated for certain. The crimes had been committed by someone who knew their way around the farm. As evidenced by <clears throat> as evidenced by the continued upkeep after the murders and the expert wielding of the mattock. 
So speaking of the murder weapon, it wasn't found at the time of the murder. The search party and investigators from Munich searched and searched, but found nothing. Before the investigation concluded, the bodies were all beheaded, and the skulls were sent to Munich for additional examination. Nothing was found. It wasn't until a year later when the forsaken farm was demolished, and the crew began digging through the rubble that the mattock, the murder weapon, used in the murders was finally found. It was among the rubble of what was once the farmhouse attic. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Isn't that creepy? Yep. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you hear hear uh, noises in your attic at night, it might actually be somebody. Yeah, your house is no longer settling. You should go up there with a weapon and check it out. <laughs> okay. So what's scarier to you, if a stranger was up in your attic or if somebody you knew was up in your attic? Uh, either way, it's pretty fucking creepy. <laughs> I'm going to go with its equal. I fuck fuck uh-huh. it both. Fuck it all. I don't like it. Mm. I don't like it. I don't know. It. Strangely, it feels better to have somebody who knows you that it's a little less violating. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's all violating and you're going to die. But I mean, yeah. if it was somebody I knew... Maybe not so mm-hmm. much. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a rough question. Well, watch Black Christmas. No, thank you. Oh. Watch it. And uh, you'll have to wonder the whole time, is it somebody that they know in the attic or is it a total stranger? Nope. I'm good. Yeah. I'm going to leave that one a mystery. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a mystery. All remains unsolved, okay? <laughs> Well, let's do the seventh piece of music, the last one, and then and then that's all that's all we have. Okay. I think. Okay. Here comes music piece number seven. It's funny. I, uh, <clears throat> I don't know how many episodes I'm gonna be on for, like, because I know that you have other guests lined up. But yeah. I was like, oh, shit, I'm not gonna be able to bring my accent game the way that um, Angel yeah. does. I don't even know where it comes from. Well, and did you and, hear Chuck? And Chuck came out of nowhere with like his perfect. British accent is impeccable, right? All of them it was were perfect. Oh. I I've decided that I can only do voices if they're like major distortions so like i can do smeagol i can do i can do yoda um, and like stuff like that and i i've been watching the the newer season of um big mouth yeah and and the old grody hormone monster yeah i i was i was able to do his voice pretty well hey baby here's the bomb I love you. Oh my god. <laughs> but I've decided I can only do him because he's a cross between Smeagol and Yoda. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, on the next episode, I want you to bring your Yoda game. The next one you're on. <laughs> okay, I'll practice. <laughs> I want That like, wasn't just, very good even. I just want random comments in Yoda. But you have to do a Smeagol real quick because he's my favorite. 
The wet tadpole is nice and cool. The ketchup fish, so juicy sweet. Stupid fat hobbit. You keep nasty chips. That's like perfect. If I could do that, I would talk to everybody like that all the time. Everybody. Yeah, now I'm going back into Hormone Monster again. She's like, Master, I found something for you. <laughs> My favorite oh, phrase to say God. with so this is super this is super color me dad because it's really gross and vulgar, but um the, <laughs> when I had a group of gay friends out in Salt Lake, our favorite line to make fun of that they would say in pornos is um <laughs> you're you're gonna find this gross, but <laughs> he's like Oh yeah, you got a hungry hole, don't you? <laughs> So my favorite thing to do was to say that that phrase in a Yoda voice, which is like, mm, hungry hole you have. <laughs> that wasn't even good. I'll do it better next time. I'm not. I'm gonna say that forever. <laughs> hungry hole you have. <laughs> I, hungry hole you I, have. <laughs> when we see people with tight pants with their, you know. Put like camel toe or whatever, <laughs> and you're like, "What do you feed a hungry puss?" Draws. <laughs> you can't say drawers. You have to say draws. Like you know, draws. from the south, some draws, or a hungry yeah. butt. <laughs> but you're gonna feed a hungry hole. A hungry butt you have. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord, I'm dying. Uh-huh. So, last year. When we did our Halloween special, I talked about the song that you and I have creepishly created, and I was never able to post it on Facebook or anything. Mm -hmm. So this year, I'm going to grace everyone with the mean old witch with a hat. (laughs) I'm a mean old witch with a hat. Ride on my broom with my cat. My nose is pointed and my chin is too. So you better watch out as the might scare you. Boo! <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And by by and by old, this is like maybe ten years old at this point. Oh yeah, this because Calvin was tiny when yeah. this, when we did this. Yeah, it was. So he was one. So don't judge our, our our music production and vocal skills because we've gotten so much better. Since My then. vocal skills are still just as shitty. <laughs> 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 just so you know, I have no tone. Mm-hmm. Mom's making me play a a song for the at, at Christmas. Yeah, right? on the piano. Uh huh. Uh-huh. She told me you already have one and that you can already play it. I know. And the kids well, didn't know that I knew how to play the piano. I really didn't know that I remembered how to play the piano that much either. But I sat down and started playing. I was like, huh, 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 how about that? How about that? Yeah, well, I'm going to, she wants me to play something too. So I'll have to figure out what the kids like. Just something that the kids will like. I don't know, something fun. A little something sweet for the kids. Well, until next time, don't go out in your car in the middle of nowhere and peevishly jerk. And stay stay out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.
See, that wasn't so bad. Yep, you got it.